On today's Stuck In, I'm so fucking angry I can't even see straight. Fuck Claudio and Danielle Reyna, but not Gio, at least not yet. And I hope they are shunned. Shunned, you hear me? Anyway, before I say anything I can't take back, there was other stuff that happened in the soccer world. And we've got more ground to cover than the number of spots between Barcelona and CF Intercity. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Friday, January 6, 2023. Uh, and I got to be honest, I'm just about as mad as I was on this day exactly two years ago. Uh, I'm probably more concerned about the state of liberal democracy in the grand scheme of things, given the significance of the implications. Although, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with all that stuff now that we have a super functional Republican Party, you know, to get rid of dysfunction in Washington and that we don't need 12 rounds of voting to pick a Speaker of the House, now taking the power back. Uh, you know, I'm really glad that they're taking the power back. Uh, but anyways, uh, you can see I'm literally blind with rage here. Uh, but in terms of being just plum angry, uh, it's just about equal with the blackmailing of, of Greg Berhalter. Uh, and, and yeah, Jared, I'm, I'm literally blind with rage. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead and kick it off? Uh, I don't know, maybe with, a, you know, some backstory sequence of events. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to a bunch of other stuff later. But um, let, let's see if we can keep this one under three hours here, Jared. That, that, that's how we're going to start the pod today. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the backstory, I don't think we should go too much into because I think you'd literally have to be living under a rock to not heard about it. But you know, obviously, long story short, uh, we all know and, and we've talked about the uh, you know, Gio Reyna not getting a lot of playing time at the World Cup. Uh, since that happened, uh, a whole number of things has happened. But at, at large, the Reyna family, specifically uh, Mrs. Reyna, has apparently um, sent some uh, incriminating information to U.S. soccer about Greg Berhalter and his family. Uh, which is now necessitated an investigation and uh, the shit has proverbially hit the fan. And, and again, uh, I suppose we could microscopically go into all those details, but again, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point, everyone is, is fairly aware of what happened. And if not, there are literally dozens of podcasts and stories to, to read the fine details, all of which For I sure. feel particularly inclined to go into. Right. I, I'm with you. Can we establish though, like a very basic timeline here? What happened 
and and what happened after that, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and and I think there is still a little bit of gray area about like you know what caused what. But can we get just like a basic timeline here? Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'll give the timeline. And and I do want to say at least for myself. And and I think that when we talk about the the humanity aspect of this, I I know that we are in complete agreement over over who is wrong and who are the victims. And and you know I don't think yeah. I need to litigate that too much. But the soccer part, of course, is also uh, probably a little bit more uh, easy to discuss. And and the the, the backstory and the and the timeline here really starts, you know, 40 years ago. And it starts when Greg Berhalter and Claudio Reyna are, are childhood teammates, uh, both at, the, at a club level and the traveling level. And also they played high school soccer together. Um, and, and that's very important to establish, by the way, right. because this I is, mean, th- this is a long term meaningful relationship between two families. Exactly. And, and uh, Greg Burhalter goes to college at North Carolina. There he meets the woman that would later become his wife, uh, who is roommates with the woman who would later become Claudio Reyna's wife. And so they are best friends and roommates and teammates at UNC. Uh, obviously, the, the incident in question that, that spurs us all on is when Burhalter was 18 years old. There was a, a violent dispute with the woman who, again, who is now his wife, uh, where he, he kicked her. Uh, that relationship stopped for a while, then later on picked up, so on and so forth. The family knew about it. All good. Uh, fast forward now, you know, what, 5, 10, 15 years, Rain and Berhalter continue to be teammates together, you know, on the national team and, and so on and so forth. And then to, to kind of get to where we are today in terms of the, the, the more recent stuff, and, and I actually want to go back a little bit further than just the, just the World Cup, but um, and where it kind of gets a little gray area is that you know, Greg Berhalter has a son, Sebastian, who is an MLS player, uh, played at Columbus uh, under Greg, uh, owned by Anthony Precourt. Obviously, Berhalter moved on to coach the U.S., and Precourt moved his team to Austin and then hired Claudio Reyna to be the general manager, the sporting director of that team. So, again, you know, layers upon layers, and Precourt obviously yeah. Berhalter in pretty high regard. Uh, you know, Sebastian Berhalter essentially at some point gets kind of told by Austin, you're not in our, in our plans anymore. Uh, and I think he ended up in Vancouver. So now you kind of have Claudio Reyna perhaps, uh, you know, cutting in, in some way Sebastian Berhalter. Again, we don't know if that has any influence on what's happened. That would be conjecture, but it did happen. That is a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Berhalter takes the U.S. job. Uh, Austin is currently coached by Josh Wolf, again, teammate of both Reyna and Berhalter. Uh, you have Ernie Sort and Brian McBride in positions of power at U.S. soccer, friends of Reyna and Berhalter. I think you're sensing a theme here about how close this circle is. Obviously, the Gio Reyna stuff happens at the World Cup, where he did not get much play. It is, uh, it is pretty much known at this point that Claudio Reyna, uh, went to Ernie Stort and McBride during the World Cup and was bitching to anyone who would listen to him that Gio should be playing more. After the World Cup, Berhalter gives his little symposium where he mentions the story without mentioning Gio by name, but we all know who he's talking about. Right. At that point, Gio's mother goes to U.S. soccer and says, hey, by the way, guess what? I know this story about something that happened, you know, 30 years ago, 31 years ago. And uh, and then when that story breaks and Berhalter kind of gives his statement about what happened, uh, you start putting, you know, two and two together. And, and I think it was at first kind of a funny joke, but that turned kind of the Occam's razor very quickly that goes, wait a minute, the only thing, the only person that makes sense, the only way this makes sense that someone would release this 30 years later is if it's the Reina family because they would be the only ones who 
kind of have it out for him right now and would know about what happened 30 years ago. Of course, that comes out. And uh, after that, there's been peace and calm among the U.S. soccer fan base. (laughs) God, right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of just like even where to begin with this. Uh, First, let's make it really clear, I think, that the Burhalter family uh, dealt with this matter, right? I mean, go all the way back to 30 years ago. Uh, I mean, his wife and, and, and he, they you know, they separated for a very long time. They eventually got back together. As far as we know, you know, Greg was very repentant. He felt terrible about it. Um, and and she, uh, you know, she, she accepted him, welcomed him back. And, you know, fast forward 30 plus years and here they are, you know, happily married with kids and, and all that great stuff. Now that of course doesn't exculpate, you know, Greg Berhalter from what he did at that time. But the reality is, is that they dealt with it internally. And that is a private family matter right uh, jared do you disagree with any of that stuff or are we kind of calibrated there no that, and that's why i said from a personal level i think we completely agree is, is that there's no there's you don't have to excuse the original behavior but you do have to understand that the person most affected by this right uh which is rosalind forgave him and and married him and has a family with him and they are still married they're not divorced there's there's never been any you know any evidence of any further incidents as you said burhalter on his own uh, received counseling even before she took him back. There was not, it was anything like, well, uh, you know, I'm going to say I'm sorry, but I'm not really by all accounts that happened. And again, the the the, the Reina family knowing about this is told in confidence as a best friend, yeah. as a roommate, as a teammate, as, as guys who are apparently best men at each other's weddings. Like, you know, so to, to betray that, that confidence, again, as you said, it does not excuse the original behavior, but it is, I mean, it is truly uh, a, a monstrous, betrayal of faith and and of, and of love of somebody that you care about to do this and then on top of it to try and uh excuse why you did it and say oh and actually they're they're lying it's actually much worse than they actually said it was Th- throwing more gasoline on that fire and, and that part to me is is in many ways more repugnant than the original action as, as bad as that action is yeah yeah they, they they can straight away fuck off and, and and that's why that's why i am so livid about this whole thing is because the the I, i'm just mortified for the burhalter family because this is a violation of their privacy this is an attempt at character assassination and 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 by the way like for what i mean when you boil this down to its most empirical states, this is effectively just like an irrational and self-admittedly, I get really emotional, but that's by no fucking means any excuse to do any of this shit, right? But just an irrational youth soccer mom who's pissed off that little Johnny isn't getting playing time and then like does something completely out of context and disproportionate to the whole situation to like, I don't know, like, just express her anger or get back at the coach or a combination of both. But like, no matter how you fucking slice it, like this is just so inappropriate. And I've lost all respect for, by the way, like a U.S. soccer legend in Claudio, because I know Danielle was the one who went to it. But then this guy comes out in support of her. I hope the guy fucking loses his job. I hope he never gets hired again. And and, and I hope this family is in disgrace. Now, to be determined on Gio, right, because I don't know how much uh, culpability he has in all of this. I mean, he, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, but he hasn't publicly come out with anything yet. No, not in the last day. And, and and right now, I mean, again, anything can change. But I get the impression from this that no, I mean, I don't want to say nobody's more mortified, but I've got to imagine this is probably very embarrassing to him. Um, and, and if you remember when a couple of weeks back when Burhalter 
kind of had this symposium and, and called out the player not by name, Gio immediately went on his Instagram, owned it, explained his side of the story, said, hey, look, this is what happened. This is why I was angry. I was I acted in a poor way. I apologize for it. Like, I'm ready to move on with my career, which is the mature. It's the responsible. It's, it's the appropriate way to deal with that situation. And so uh, if I had to guess, I would think that Gio right now, seeing what his parents did, is probably mortified. And so I don't want to throw him... And, and that's why I'm trying to separate right. the two, because I don't think he's done anything wrong here. Like in a separate incident, he was definitely a shithead at U.S. camp and Burhalter and his staff dealt with that. There's no doubt about that. And I think he paid the price for it. Right. He had to like publicly apologize. And, you know, obviously his playing time took a hit even furthermore, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but that has nothing to do with this situation. Right. And if he wasn't involved in the effectively blackmailing right, Greg Burhalter, then then I, I hope more than anything that he gets the opposite. I, I hope that he continues on with the U.S. national team. I hope nothing bad happens to him and that he doesn't get uh, grouped in with this bullshit. It, it really is just Claudio and Danielle. And I, I honestly wish the worst for them. This is like doxing. This is like revealing private information about people uh, completely unwarrantedly. They, they didn't he, he didn't fucking do anything. And, and shame on you people for that. Yeah, and again, that's why, I mean, this is the hard part is, is that I hate re, re, re going over that part so much because, again, it just, it, it just, it's, it gives this more oxygen, right? And that, uh, yeah, fair. And we have to talk about it, right? We have, I mean, there's no, there's no way not to talk about it, but it just sucks that, it, I mean, and it shouldn't go away in that sense, but, and I think the soccer part is what's more interesting because, again, you know, as I already kind of mentioned in the lead up is that you have Precourt, who has a relationship with Greg Berhalter, who now has seen his director of soccer do this. And so does this guy lose his job? Does Josh Wolf even want to coach with Raynan? And again, I'm not suggesting he feels one way or the other. But again, it, it's it's a it's an aspect of it. Are there players that play for Austin that have looked at Claudio Raynan and go, wait a minute, like this guy will throw me under the bus in a second or whatever. And, yeah. And now, you know, to the broader issue, uh We've spent a good amount of time for legitimate reasons discussing whether Greg Berhalter should be the U.S. coach going forward. And now what? And because now Ernie Stort and uh, Cindy Cohn and, and Brian McBride and all these people that are decision makers at the U.S. level have an unimaginably difficult decision that is now made more difficult. And what I mean by that is that they might have decided to move on from Greg Berhalter. Because they don't think he's the great guy in the in the next four years. And now if they say we're moving on from him, there is no way that anyone is going to look at that situation and not at least a little bit say, man, they just had to get rid of him because of the whole thing. It, exactly. Fair but, but it, they're inextricably linked now, even right. though they, they shouldn't be. But Jared, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I, I'll take it a step further and say, I, I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because if they get rid of him, which is what they wanted to do, or, or you know, it, let's say that that's what they wanted to do, then, then right, it's, it's painted like that. But if they then keep him, Right. right. It, it's now because, oh, well, you know, we did want to get rid of him, but now we got to keep him because of this situation. And that would be unfair. Like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And then on top of it, you have the added drama that if Berhalter continues as coach, and by the way, he came out yesterday and says it would be his preference. So, you know, it, there, there might have been a thought that he might have looked at the situation and goes, hey, let me just step away and, and not cause it. But he wants to continue coaching, which is his purview. Uh, and, and that begs the next question. OK, if you're coaching this team and, you know, obviously there's there's international breaks in March and June. Now what? Now, uh, if you now Gio Reyna, who's 
clearly a, a, a guy who should be called in on Talon alone if he's healthy and everything's going on. But now every time Gio Reyna doesn't get called in, is it, well, he's, he's now getting back at the family again. Or if he gets called in, is it, oh, is he just throwing him a bone because he doesn't want to get, you know, like it just, there's no decision that can be made by anybody involved that works out. And by the way, next time Gio Reyna gets walked to called in the camp, he's going to be the guy walking down the school hallway in the dream naked, right? Because everyone is just going to be staring at him being like, yo, dude. And, and that's not his fault again either. Like part of it, obviously, as we talked about is, but his teammates seem to forgive him. And so now he's going to go into national team camp and everyone's going to be looking at him. And it's just like, everyone just gets hurt. There's nobody who's helped by this. Yeah. And, and so, and, and right. So that, that's a really good question to discuss. Like can, between those two guys, whether it's either one or both of them or none of them or whatever, like, can they continue to be involved with U S soccer? I, as like a rational person who like feels like I can navigate human relationships pretty well and like tune out a lot of the drama and the critics and everything. Like, I would just say like, if we wanted to keep Burhalter, sure, we can keep Burhalter and, 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 or if we, even if we want to get rid of Burhalter, take it very surgically. Uh, if, if you're Ernie Stewart and just say like, uh, yeah, guys, like we're not going to extend his contract. Uh, we weren't going to. And yeah, while the Reina situation was obviously very convoluted and complicated, like it didn't have a bearing on it. And I think you can like clean that up with PR and everything. Right. But then the question becomes now the Gio Reyna inclusion. Right. Obviously, if Burhalter is not there anymore, like including Gio Reyna sh- really shouldn't be that like as big of a problem. I get the whole walking down the hallway naked thing. I think as a manager, like you can easily talk to the players and be like, guys, let's fucking be adults and professionals here. Does that clean it up entirely? Probably not. But I, I think you can manage that situation. But then the big one, right, is if Burhalter does stay on and you do want to keep Gio Reyna in the mix, that's where it does get a bit complicated. Again, for me, I feel like you could navigate those waters. I think you'd be able to do it. Uh, but that's a totally different <laughs> uh, uh, prospect uh, for other people and the real world that we live in, where like human drama is a real thing and emotions are taken into consideration. And, and so. as said, Ernie Sort was asked about that exact thing. Can Gio Reyna play for the national team again without it being a thing? And he said, you know, he was pretty much like, yeah, absolutely. Like Gio Reyna can be called back in the national team. Anyone that is eligible to play for the U.S. can could be called in the national team. And really punted on the question, I think. He really didn't give what I think could have been a solid answer and just said, hey, look, I understand this situation is what it is to exactly your point, but we have to all be professionals here. Gio Reyna is a professional. Look, his behavior wasn't ideal, but he's grown from it. He's he's exhibited like that, that you know, that, that you know, that sorrow and that apology and, and his teammates have accepted so on and so forth. I mean, Berhalter still played him in the World Cup, so whatever he thought about the situation, he did not send him home. He did not give him zero minutes. He did play him, and I do believe that Berhalter would have no problem calling him in and playing him again as, as warranted, but uh, I do feel like there would, as you said, have to be some sort of, you know, we all sit in a little room as, as grownups and say, look, this is, let's get it out now. Whatever conversation needs to be had, let's do it now and, and, and just try and move on. Uh, that said, I, I don't think Berhalter should continue because I, I think the drama is, is the, 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 in, a, in almost a risk reward sense, I think the risk is, is more than the reward. And again, that's unfair to him because he is not at fault for what happens yeah, but I, I just don't see how you can bring this guy back at this point because 
it's it's just the drama of it's just too much, and it, and it's and it just puts a black cloud over every national team camp you, you would have while he's in 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 in, uh, in in at the job. I think it hurts potential. You know, we're trying to get some some dual national guys who we might want to get for the U.S. and and is he going to be looked at differently by a player who might want to play for the U.S. There's all these factors that have nothing to do with the actual situation. Jared, it's just fucked. There. You know, it's it's fucked. It is. And, and, and there's a lot to be said about you can go into the weeds and you can talk about this, that and the other thing. But the bottom line is like it's fucked. And when the situation is fucked, then, yeah, you just kind of have to move on. I Like I, I didn't want to renew him even before all this, stuff, right. you know, uh, but 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 now, given this, like he just can't be the national team manager anymore. And, and by the way, and we talked about potential replacements uh, last month, I believe, on, on the show. And and I think where I am also is that. If not only do you have to move on, we talked about a guy like a Roberto Martinez, and I think you just have to hire somebody like outside the bubble right now. And sure, sure, yeah. I've never been one, and I understand that people said Berhalter was a you know a hire because of his brother and everything, and and I ever. But at the same time, everyone here right now, everyone involved in these decision making are friends. It's a tight group circle, and at some point, you do need to go outside of that. You just can't keep bouncing that ball between your you're the same little five people the same you know the same little groups the same little clicks i think at some point you actually do need to go outside and that's your way of getting the fresh start is just saying hey here's the manager he has nothing to do with any of this he is from it whether he's from a different country or not or whether he just is from a different circle or not be like he's never played with any of us he's not friends with any of us like i wish jesse marsh would be the national team manager i wouldn't hire him now i you need some space on that you need a little distance on that hire somebody completely the fuck random and be like hey look do your thing for a while. Like, hopefully you're going to get us, you know, you, you, you'll be here through the next World Cup or whatever and find that guy. But it cannot be just like one of the good old boys right now because you just you have to cut out the whole thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, someone external to kind of right the ship right now. I mean, actually, you know, who comes to mind is like Mauricio Pochettino, like just given what he did at Spurs in, in terms of like the, the locker room and the team spirit and just like revolutionizing a club and the way that uh, he, he changed that culture uh, into what it was and, and making a run at a Champions League final, with, you know, really out kicking their coverage there. And I'm not saying even keep him uh, through, you know, the, the 2026 World Cup. I mean, maybe like a two year contract throw $20 million at him or whatever, you know, per year or something like that. But then when things calm down, when he has right of the ship, then that's when you go after the Jesse Marsh. He'll probably be out of a job anyway at that point. I mean, he's not going to last at Leeds much longer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, just have like a stopgap, but a good uh, and external stopgap uh, and then bring in like who you see as like a longer term guy. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, again, I think that's exactly what it has to be right now. And, and I think that it is you're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. There's no right answer. There's no, there's no answer that solves the problem. So I think the best thing you can do right now is to try and limit it. Uh, that said, if I had to make a prediction, I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I, and I think a big part of that is how, you know, the, that, that comment or the, the, the release by Berhalter was accompanied by a U.S. release by the fact that his coaching staff is still currently in place as much as it can be. The fact that, even through everything that's happened, they haven't said no, and they're still reviewing. I don't know what there is to review. I, I don't think it takes that long, but I think the fact that they haven't said no makes me think the answer might be yes. And again, I just think that that's uh, a problem through and to no fault of Berhalter specifically. But again, I don't think it solves any of the problems, and it just really keeps. We want you need this dark cloud to try and pass as soon as possible. And by the way, for the family part again, to go back to that just for one sec. I don't see why Berhalter wants to keep doing this 
knowing the questions he is going to get and what that's going to do to his family. Because those questions are going to keep coming. And I think in a weird way, the best thing that could almost happen for him is if he go takes another job in the middle of fucking Europe where they just don't care, <laughs> you know, or something like that. You know, he was looking at Europe anyway, and maybe that's just the answer. for Dude, him. 100%. And that's part of why I was saying, like, it's fucked. It's through no fault of his own, but it's fucked. And now he's going to have to subject himself to that stuff if he carries on. And that should factor into the calculus for him. You would think that he wouldn't want to put up with it. But again, you know, he's had a conversation with his wife, I'm sure, and his kids. And and if and if he has their support, I suppose there's no reason for him not to. But as I said, he he said he still wants to, to coach this team. And, and to me, that's a little bizarre, but, you know, to each their own. And again, I just hope that regardless of whatever happens, uh, that, that his family is, can find peace in this whole situation quickly and that it does not, you know, kind of cause a, a long-term uh, perhaps irreparable harm to, to, to specifically Rosalind, but obviously to the kids as well. And, and to Greg, where, you know, they can remain comfortable, shall I say, in the situation as they have been before last week. Right. And that's why, like, I do not support Greg Perlhalter as uh, the manager. I support him as a human being and, and his family members as human beings. And, and they just did not deserve this, uh, the, the shame and the embarrassment uh, in a private matter that, that's now being aired out in public. It's just so despicable, so fucking despicable. And I hope the rain is pay a price for that one for sure um jared are we are we, we done with that one or, or is there any any other loose ends to tie up on no i mean I, at the other day if we're being practical about this uh this is not the end of this story so i would strongly imagine that as we uh as we move on it will you know there will be other pieces of this to discuss so I, i'm comfortable leaving it there today uh knowing that uh it is surely not the last we're going to talk about it all right. All right. Very good. Um, I, I'm going to chuck some other random news in there, Jared. Quick executive decision. Uh, move the pat on the back and the sack up here uh, just because neither of us really have much to say about it. It's just kind of hilarious. Um, so, so let's just do that. Uh, a couple of pa- random pieces of news. Uh, you had sent this out actually on, on the group chat. Uh, Daily Blind uh, apparently is a Bayern Munich player. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's officially a Bayern Munich player, held up a jersey and everything. Uh, had a, a conscious uncoupling with Ajax last week and it signed a literally a six month contract just for the this season with Bayern. And I guess, you know, if it, it goes well, he may stay there. But uh, just a very, very bizarre move. I thought when he left Ajax, it was going to be one of the things. Hey, I'm a bit older. I just played my last World Cup. Maybe I'm going to, you know, ease down a bit. But nope, jumps up a level remarkably enough. And I look good on him, to be fair. I thought he was obviously pretty good in the World Cup. And I guess Bayern could use the depth and, and defense. So an interesting move, not one I ever saw coming, but uh, I also- did, they, did they reveal the signing by like rolling him out in his wheelchair? Like, was he able to get up out and, you know, walk on his cane at least? Yeah, I think he, he did use a cane. They had a special Bayern, uh, you know, Bayern theme cane. Right? <laughs> and I, I think also part of this is Mesrali. Um, also, I guess he tested positive during COVID yeah, yeah. and had like some heart swelling and might be out quite a bit. And, and this could be possibly why that happened is as a kind of a, uh, as a as a why for Bayern's perspective that they did this, uh, but again, also, yeah, how does that fit into the Alfonso Davies thing? I mean, Davies is. I mean, as far as I know, he's back and healthy, and obviously the two seem unrelated. But I, I don't know why specifically two Bayern players seem to be the only two high profile players that this is happened to. Hilarious. Oh my God. It's just so good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we were going to do a, a get the sack or a pat on the back, but let's just chuck it right here. Uh, cause these are hilarious. Uh, Scott Parker has been hired as the manager of none other than club 
Bruges. Uh, here is, as you said offline, uh, middling would be a uh, would be charitable uh, for him in terms of a coach and, and where he's coached in the Premier League, etc. Uh, and yeah, the guy's going to just dive headfirst into it, feet to the fire. Uh, his first game uh, will be a Champions League knockout stage game. <laughs> like, it just, I, it just boggles the mind. Like, just the sentence, Scott Parker is a Champions League knockout coach is not a sentence that should ever be uttered in any context. Yeah. And as you alluded to, again, off air was, is that, you know, again, the top Belgian teams have very short leases. They run through coaches incessantly. But, mm. like, you would think that the guy who gets a Belgian team to the knockout rounds of the Champions League would not get fired because of, like, three bad league results. And I understand that there was apparently some, you know, some issues with some of the players, and, and they aren't necessarily sad to see him go. But you would think, you again, talk about being professional and putting minor issues behind you. Again, this is a guy who navigated that Champions League group and a tough one at that. And 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 it, the, the job of his life, the managing okay. job of his life, and doesn't even get to follow it through for Scott Parker. And, it, like, again, it, it hurts my head to think about because there's a guy, there's unqualified to coach in the Champions League knockout rounds, and then there's Scott Parker. Like, it's not even close. The guy was uh, has a very limited coaching career and and, and – any positives to speak of? Can you think of like the great Scott Parker managing moment? Uh, I, I, I'm like trying to genuinely think of something like the only thing that keeps coming to mind is nothing even soccer related. It was that his like admiral coat that he would wear on the sideline last year. Like that's the only redeeming thing. And actually that's not even redeeming. Like he, he's got like a cardigan with three stripes on the left arm. That's all I can say about Scott Parker. Yeah, and again, the last manager, the last game he coached, they lost nine nothing. Uh, <laughs> like so, um, and I understand he got all right. Fine, I, you want to give him credit? He got Bournemouth from the Championship to the Premier League. Good on you. But again, like four games in that that season, he gets he gets knocked. You know, he gets fired. Doesn't do anything for what six seven months? I guess since that happened. And uh, yeah, and and now he's coaching in the Champions League. And, and again, no sense. I can't figure it. out. Yeah, I you know I guess good on him. Credit to you, Scott Parker. I don't know how you do it, man. Failing uh, upward, but but apparently everyone else that Club Bruges went to like turned him down. Uh, they went to Steven Gerrard, but he was you know too expensive for them. Uh, it just like everyone was like, eh, I don't really think so. So Scott Parker was like, it's your classic, you know, like sixth choice, and he knows it type of thing. I guess, but I, yeah. I sixth. Like, why was he in the top ten? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm like trying somehow to justify it and make sense of it. But the only it, it just doesn't. It doesn't. The only justification is going to be if somehow he gets through a Champions League thing and doesn't like if, if somehow they pull another upset and they're in the quarterfinals. I guess at that point it becomes justified. But again, I I, I don't trust him to navigate them through a, a tricky second half of their league season either. And so uh, I, I just I I mean, look, I'd love to be proven wrong because it, it'll be a good story, but I just can't fathom it works. Yeah, top level football is just so confusing. Oh, and by the way, real quick, I you know not to rehash the whole Burhalter thing, uh, but but just to show how dysfunctional everything else is, uh, right? I think the the Dutch FA hired Nigel De Jong with like no experience whatsoever to be like their top technical director. Yeah, no, uh, I believe the the tweet I sent out said that his uh, his qualifications at to this job are having a high school diploma. Uh, is again not ideal. Uh, I, <laughs> So we're not alone. Like, just no. nothing makes sense. Look, I like I understand soccer is like is always like the old boys club, and and within each country, there's the same five guys or the same ten guys who always seem to to find a way, or they all hire each other, and they're all like whatever. But it just it it, I have no words. It just none of it makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and to close that out real quick, the, the sack that I was going to give uh, is to Nathan Jones, who was obviously hired to replace uh, Ralph Hassenhoe at uh, Southampton. And uh, he's lost five on the bounce. Uh, and I mean, how long was Bob Bradley's tenure at Swansea? Like 52 days or something? I mean, he might break the record. <laughs> Uh, and I guess we should just add that I, I, you very well may be looking at the last 24 hours of Frank Lampard's tenure at Everton. I know we're going to talk about their, their Premier League game, but yes. I, uh, by all accounts, they think that if they lose in the FA Cup uh, at, you know, today as we record, that that might be the end for him. So I guess we can just uh, keep a little eye on that one as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, put a pin in that for two seconds because uh, the last piece of news here to round out the topics, uh, a, a shout to uh, women's football, especially the domestic league here. Uh, Angel City FC, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, is in their second year of existence and that's the one with all the big investors and everything like alex morgan and all that no i don't think alex morgan can invest since she's playing there or yeah no, i'm not thinking of alex morgan but but like they have a bunch of they, big I, investors. la uh, obviously uh, a lot of famous investors uh, had a very good uh you know first season in the league and and now is looking to add to that Right. Very good. Uh, they've effectively uh, pulled a Washington Redskins here and uh, mortgaged their future, giving away uh, met multiple uh, first round picks uh, not, over the next couple of years, plus allocation money in a crazy freeway trade uh, with, with the Portland Thorns, as well as Gotham FC. Um, and I, I won't go through all the, all the details. You can look them up yourself. Uh, but basically, the apple of their eye is Alyssa Thompson. Uh, and we here at Stuck In, the greatest soccer podcast in the world, uh, cover her obviously in, in previous podcasts and just how uh just the crazy potential how electrifying she is uh, out there on the field by the way still a senior in high school <laughs> uh and uh, you know obviously she's going to be the number one pick and angel city fc uh wanted to get her so they're now going to get her yeah and, and you know this look it's it's there's a, a a lot of different ways to look at this uh, it, by all accounts, Thompson, who is from L.A., and, and I think kind of made it known that if she wasn't going to get to play in L.A., she was probably going to go try in Europe, which, again, her purview, fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I, and I think that it, it's weird. It's the U.S. system, MLS included, is, is very weird in terms of, how, you know, again, how with the draft and, and stuff that doesn't happen in the soccer world. Uh, the, the Women's League in particular has been afflicted a bit by uh, players, you know, really exercising that ability, saying, hey, I want to play in this city or else. And the league's just not strong enough to, to really get around that. Mm, that right. is the free market, right? And any other job, like, and I understand I'm looking at this kind of through the MLS lens or whatever, but, you know, I, I do think it's it's a little troubling. Um, you know, if you look at Gotham, again, who had the top pick, right, worst team in the league, uh, you know, is very struggling, doesn't have very good attendance or anything else. And to have an ability to get a player like that would have been great, but they can't. And only Angel City can and, and so on and so forth. So it's a tricky situation. It's great for her. She gets to play where she wants to play and I'm all for that. But I still think that as part of the league's growth, they need to figure out a way uh, to to kind of limit the uh, – where certain teams are just going to continually get crushed because teams don't want to play there. And I don't know if the league's advanced enough to sustain that model right now. Mm. I think you need to figure out a way to make sure that all teams are uh, equal. And again, the, the dream is that in 20 years, that doesn't have to be the case, but early on, I think it does. And so I think in that sense, it's, it's slightly unfortunate.
Ah, yeah, no, good, good point. Good point. Um, and we'll obviously uh, monitor uh, the NWSL and Alyssa Thompson's emergence for breakout onto the scene here in the women's soccer game. Um, but yeah, that's going to uh, do it for the topics here. So we'll leave that there. Uh, moving on to the segments here, Jared, um, domestic league roundup or domestic disturbance or whatever. So basically, some countries uh, were playing, uh, but it was, you know, uh, the, the, the trophy competition. Some of them were playing their domestic leagues. Some countries didn't even have games going on, uh, so we'll try to navigate it as best as we can. Uh, let's see, correct me if I'm wrong, Bundesliga and Ligue 1 with no domestic league games, um, and Spain was playing their Copa del Rey, and we'll have <laughs> definitely a word to say about that. Uh, but let's go ahead and start it off uh, as we are wont to do here at this Anglophilic podcast with the Premier League. Uh, Jared, we, we hyped it up pretty big, uh, and I think in some ways it lived up to the hype others it did not uh you know drab nil nil result uh, but but a, a lot of um entertainment um back and forth in the arsenal newcastle game uh, ultimately nil nil full time yeah, and I think that uh, it's it's a there's a dichotomy a dichotomous kind of way I look at this game. And on the one hand, obviously Newcastle being on the road, uh, playing a more cagey, defensive, uh, shithousery style, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> if you will, Jared, it was like shit housing to the max. <laughs> but what they but what they did do after the first ten minutes is they got they sucked Arsenal into playing their match. True. Yeah. And you had Jaka running around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to get back at him. You had Arsenal players not playing the way we've seen them play all year, trying to kind of fight fire with fire which is exactly what Newcastle wanted and I think Arsenal for the first 10 minutes played really well and then even maybe the last 10 minutes kind of realized like hey wait we got to knock this off and try and win this game and they both played well in those in that's 20 minutes but beyond that Newcastle really kept them at bay didn't give them a lot of great chances uh kind of sucked them into to the fouls and the stoppages of play and the, the 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 stop and start and I think that Newcastle will be very happy to have kind of played the most of the match on their terms at the same time it can be a little frustrating when you do play the match on your terms yet you don't create the chances that you need to win i think arsenal on the on the reverse will be uh disappointed especially at home that they weren't able to and kind of impose their style on the game but i think will be um will feel okay that they didn't concede a goal they had the better chances to win and it just didn't happen for them so i, I don't know that i would i mean i, I guess through expected goals, it's a fair result. I think it's more or less a fair result. I think, as I said, Arsenal was, you know, probably 60-40 better on the day. Uh, certainly not you know, anything more than that. So I think the draw was fair. And, and I thought that even though there weren't a lot of chances or whatever, I think the the, the way Newcastle approached the game kind of did give it a weird sense of entertainment, if not the free-flowing World Cup final type, just kind of a kind of the, the again, the shithousery kind of a tactical chess match that kind of kind of did unfold during the game. I thought it was a it's a fun game to watch. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and if for nothing else, the, the entertainment value of Mikel Arteta just literally losing his shit all game on the sideline because Did of that shithousery. Didn't help his team, I was saying. Again, when I talk about getting sucked into the other team's game, like, that's what I'm talking about because you can't have a team play their normal reserve, like, smart game when their manager's raving like a lunatic for 90 minutes. It just is not going to work that way because you're just going to keep getting yelled at. Eventually, you're just going to start kind of acting in kind. And so uh, I, I think Arsenal would have been better served for Arteta to, to maybe tone it down a bit. But that, again, it made it endlessly entertaining, especially a hundred percent. Like the, the players look to the manager, you know, and they're going to model that behavior. And, and look, I'm the biggest Arteta fan in the world. Now I, you know, I was iffy for the first couple of years, but like I am 100% solidified that he is the guy. I think he's going to be the guy for a very long time and win a lot of titles and, and trophies. Um, but he does need to work on this man. Like, like this is just, this is too much. Like passion is one thing, like raving lunacy is another thing. And, and 
And I think he was a raving lunatic for most of that game. And you just can't do that, man, on so many levels, not just for the players, but like the professional uh, image that you're trying to portray, like being an ambassador for the club, like all that stuff. And I'm not trying to like kill him too bad on this stuff. Uh, you know, he's obviously where he is and I'm where I am, you know, so he, he whatever, nothing else needs to be said there. Uh, but but I just wish he would tone that down a little bit. And I think they kind of use a football metaphor, you know, like they always say in football, like it, whether you're, if you want to go for it on fourth down or not, it's like whatever your opponent doesn't want you to do, you should do. Yeah. And I think the telling thing about this was all the times that, you know, Arteta's yelling on the field, yelling at the ref, yelling at the fourth official. And you can pretty much just see Eddie Howe standing there with like a shit eating grin on his face being like, perfect. Yeah. Like I, he's, I have him exactly where I want him. And, and to your, to, to that point, it's like, you know, if the other guy, if you're yelling your, your, your ass off and the other guy's just sitting there with a smile on his face, that's a, like, that's the sign right there. And, and, and yeah. he got to manage the game kind of on his terms as well. Uh, so again, you know, uh, being on the, the black and white side of this, I suppose, yeah. uh, I, I thought it was very humorous. I thought it was uh, fun. And yeah, I guess the shit housing didn't bother me quite as much as it probably bothered you. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It depends on who you ask, I guess, or whatever. Uh, and by the way, and he's not even just raving about the shithousery. Uh, it's also, you know, two uh, potential uh, penalty calls, which I think you and I both agreed uh, both would be pretty. Well, at least the handball would have been pretty harsh, right? Uh, me, I was actually more worked up about, you know, Gabrielle getting pulled down in the box. I, I thought that could have been called a pen, but like ultimately I'm, I'm okay that they didn't. But I don't know why people are so worked up about that handball. Like I, I thought that would have been super harsh. Yeah, the, the handball was harsh. The shirt thing is interesting. And, and you know, uh, what's weird, and, and again, I think the biggest problem people have with VAR apparently is there's been no consistency to any of it. And they, these little waves of where like they care about this thing or that thing. And for a while this year, the shirt tugging again was a point of emphasis and they called a bunch of them. Uh, you know, Howard Webb's kind of apparently been giving the directive to kind of try and go to VAR a little bit less right now. And so yeah. it's not seen on the field. They're not necessarily going to go to VAR for it the same way. And so I think you're just kind of, I think in a weird way, Arsenal is probably uh, a little unlucky that, you know, this week in the Premier League, uh, shirt pulling is not a big deal and that this game could be played in three weeks and the same incident might be called a foul. And they get the penalty and maybe they get the three points. So I think they're they're kind of a victim of, uh, again, a, a system that we've talked about at length that just doesn't really know what it wants to do with themselves. But apparently, you know, the the word of the week is that, you know, let's try and keep it on the field and not go to VAR in five seconds. So a, a shirt tug, which is not the most egregious one that you'll ever see, does end up probably, you know, you get away with it. Whereas uh, on a different week, you know, again, the handball might be called and the shirt tug might be called. So uh, I get the, the unfortunate nature of it, but it kind of makes sense in the context of, of what the Premier League to do with this shit yep there you have it uh ultimately a great result for newcastle i think just securing that point still top four uh in the table there and uh yeah tough result at home for for arsenal dropping points uh with that showdown with manchester city lurking um they've rescheduled it for uh february what 12th that weekend uh, so that'll be a big one. We'll see. Uh, but still, still top of the league. Anyways, um, moving on in the Prem. Uh, Full America 1, Leicester nil. The Full America train rolls on. Choo-choo. I obviously did not. <laughs> I, I didn't watch this one. Uh, Leicester obviously struggling. Uh, so you kind of expect that. But yeah, just got to give a shout out to our Full America. Yeah, and again, I, I think uh, pretty much uh, everything I said about them in our last show maintains here. And, and again, another kind of word, they sneak a result despite 
uh, kind of being outplayed for most of the game, but they kind of get the the goal. Uh, I believe it was off a corner kick or off a set piece anyway. And so, uh, you know, they, they steal their goal. Uh, Lester misses a couple crucial chances. I know Iosi Perez had a really bad miss uh, where he completely missed the net. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're just kind of keeping on, keeping on seventh place in the table tied with Liverpool now, uh, you know, in that six and seven spot. Uh, and again, you keep seeing, uh, you know, and we'll talk about, you know, Chelsea and, and a couple of these other teams later, of course, but other teams keep dropping points and Fulham is in a great run of form right now. Uh, what they've won, what they've won three off the since the, uh, since the break ended right yeah. at a nine. So uh, look, they're, they're just flying high. They're playing with confidence. Um and, and the, the World Cup break didn't seem to stop them at all. It seemed to maybe even give a couple of their guys a little bit more confidence, like we've talked about Reem, of course, and oh, yeah. played well at the World Cup and so on. And so uh, they're just a team playing with confidence right now, and, and they're a good team. And so I think that when you look at them playing, most teams in the league outside of the top couple, I think you expect on any given day they certainly can pull a result, and it's not a shock. And so, uh, you know, good for them. And, again, they're an easy team to kind of cheer for and, and want to do well. So I'm continuing to enjoy that as well. Yes, very good. Um, next result here, we kind of alluded to it, and, and we could spend a bit of time talking about the manager and how long he'll last. Uh, but yeah, Everton won, Brighton and Hove Albion four. Uh, and I legitimately thought my Forza was glitching. Uh, Ever- Brighton goal, Brighton goal, Brighton goal. Uh, turns out to be true. And, and you know, you get in a halftime, you know, down 1-0, like you're not playing that well, like not too bad. It's the classic, you know, don't concede early. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into halftime and, and don't concede early at a half, all that stuff. Uh, and not only do they concede early, not once, not twice, but three fucking times uh, within six minutes. I, I mean, just Everton, good grief. I, they get a consolation goal at the end, but it's like, fuck out of And it, it diabolically defending. Uh, I mean, I, I saw oh like if you want to see one bad defense, here's one, and then here's the next, and it's just it's 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 an absolute joke. And and dude, who was the Everton defender who like literally dove after it head first like a dolphin diving? Yeah, I think I think Markowski kind of gave a half a <laughs> half a uh, Phil Jones right there. Yeah, <laughs> our pod's namesake. Yeah, Phil Jones would be proud of that one for sure. Phil Jones would have gotten contact on the ball though. Tarkowski was yeah. no. And then there's the turnover on the. I mean, again, it's just it's a joke. Uh, cliche upon we can throw every cliche but obviously look the players have, have quit on lampard and and yeah. that's fairly obvious and again they're not the most talented team and maybe on talent alone if you look at their starting 11 they don't deserve to stay up but they're certainly not going to with this manager so uh, again i think that they're going to give him the the fa cup game today and, and i i would honestly be pretty surprised if lampard coaches the second game that they play from now yeah uh time for big sam or, or maybe the uh the new generation big sam maybe get in uh uh, I, shall I even say his name from Burnley? Uh, although I, I think I nixed that from the pod. That he's a he's a Voldemort name now. No, I think I think uh, I think both of those guys should probably keep their uh, their their phones pretty close. Okay, yeah. I mean, you just like could you imagine Everton going down? I mean, look at this. Look at the cellar. Look at the relegation zone. It is tight, man. Leicester in thirteenth, but only two points off the drop. I mean, it's so close. You you just can't go down if you're ever. Hey, they. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or or can they? <laughs> I, I think they can. I absolutely think they're they're more than capable of it. Yeah, like you're, you're going to have a quote unquote like you know big team or like a you know a team that's been there forever uh, that that's going to go down. Whether it is like Everton, you know West Ham are right there. Uh, Leicester City just rewind a couple of years ago, winning the Premier League. I mean, they could go down. Just Crystal Palace have been diabolically bad. I mean, they could go down. All that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a. Uh... But, you know, 
there's a part of me that one way or the other, I just really hope that the that the title race kind of resolves itself in like March one way or the other. So I could just really just yeah, yeah. put on my sicko glasses and just kind of just hit up the Peacock every month to watch, you know, Barnmouth, Southampton matches just so I can love it. it. Dude, re- relegation six pointers in, in April, man. Nothing better for, for uh, a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of Crystal Palace, uh, Palace nil, Spurs four. Uh, Palace becoming the new, like, if you need to get your season back on track, play them type of team. I mean, just where do they go from here? Uh, and, and and Spurs, I, I don't want to give, like, too much credit to them because, again, you're playing, like, 11 traffic cones at times. Uh, but, yes, getting getting a result, getting three points here. Yeah, uh, I guess, as you said, uh, if, if you can get Kane and, and Son to both score in the same match, that's one thing. And, you know, we're just thinking about, uh, you know, Everton, obviously, with a manager change in route. Uh, Crystal Palace is an interesting one, because as you said, they have been very bad lately. Uh, you know, started off okay, but have been pretty rough. And, and I really think Vieira is a good manager, but I'm starting to wonder a little bit. And uh, it's, a, it's a, as you said, a, a get-good game for Spurs, and, and they'll – definitely want to make sure they can kind of use this as as kind of that that jumping off point uh but again palace were just so bad in this game that i'm not sure i can say anything about spurs uh because again it was it was traffic cone behavior yeah that's what i'm saying that you can't really read too much into this one and so i think and and, it, and unfortunately for spurs when you have a midweek game like this you almost want to have that league match as soon as humanly possible and of course now it's it's an fa cup weekend where i think they're playing like portsmouth or, or somebody you know league one league two level mm. so they don't even get to really kind of uh find out if, if it was or if it's you know kind of just lucky i mean they do play arsenal next week right uh next sunday it'll be uh, the second north one derby and i guess that'll be kind of the proof whether or not this was kind of more a one-off or whether this was kind of the, the switch gets flipped because they them and then they by the way city right after woof yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, some of these teams coming into just just runs of games that are, are like a fucking gauntlet. Uh, speaking of City, by the way, uh, Manchester City won, uh, Chelsea nil. Uh, and yeah, obviously we love to, it's fun to make fun of Chelsea. We, we definitely have a go at them, uh, all that stuff. But, but like at some level, you do have to feel bad given the amount of injuries they have i mean like at one point the the, the field uh, like their average jersey number was like 45 you got obama yang the sub getting subbed uh cucarella you know big ass signing he's absolute trash at defending like you love to watch him go forward but the guy can't defend worth a lick uh and it was just a shambles i mean it probably should have been five or six type of thing uh but yeah i mean ultimately this one was never really a doubt yeah, City really a pretty poor offensive game by their standards, which which helped Chelsea stay in the in the picture. But as you said, uh, Sterling goes out in the first five minutes. Pulisic goes out uh, in about twenty in the twentieth minute. Uh, you, as you said, you know Aubameyang comes in as a sub, but can't even go more than about sixty minutes. You're putting on. Uh, for all the quote unquote attacking talent this team seems to have in the 40 wingers it has, you know, Pulisic gets hurt and they're putting on a guy, Carney Chukwu Meka. Uh, yeah. <laughs> never heard of that guy. As you said, Obama has to go out. Omari Hutchinson, guys that you've never heard of coming in the game. As you said, Cucurella is struggling. And so a guy named Lewis Hall wearing number 67 comes on to your, your point. You throw in a mistake by Keppa and you lose the game. And, and uh, you know, we joke because again, Chelsea's keeps their, their, we always joke that you know, they'll sign every offensive player and then they'd have too many of them, but you know, they signed this defender uh, whose name is escaping me from Monaco or whatever. And all I can hear anyone say on a podcast is, yeah, I mean, he's a really good defender and he'll help, but they really need an attacking player. And you're like, wait a minute, they have like 45 attacking yeah. players. <laughs> 
happened here. But as you said, they're just been absolutely massacred. And and look, Pulisic has always been an, an injury ridden kind of guy and, and prone to injury. But I, I do wonder if over the last three or four years now that he's been at Chelsea, if it hasn't been made worse by maybe a training staff that hasn't been great because these guys keep getting hurt. And if you look at Dortmund, right, who always keeps has guys get hurt too, mm. is part of this possibly just a a, 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 a function of happening to play for two teams that just for some reason have a shitload of injuries and maybe yeah. that's up and not on the on the player and god if we already said we he needs to get out of there but maybe it's we mean that in a different way now yeah and, and to your point about the uh keppa's mistake and and the defending errors uh, i mean chelsea could have even escaped with a nil nil there i mean on the on the goal it's like keppa why are you not saving that first of all and then second of all cucarelli you had him man for man but uh, you just kind of let him slip in behind i mean it could have been nil nil Right. And again, they almost they almost escaped with it. And I think that we've seen a lot of Chelsea results over the, the last couple of years where they've won a game or, or even drawn a game where we're like, they had no business even doing that. And here's a game where they actually probably in many ways did deserve a result and were very unlucky not to get one. But again, they're currently sitting in 10th place. Uh, they have injuries up, down and sideways. And it's just it's it. And, and Potter's apparently already on the hot seat, which I think would be exceptionally unfair to him, again, given the circumstances. But I just don't know what they're supposed to do because they can't find you know 15 healthy guys to march out there on a weekly basis right now yeah it's crazy uh and to your point about Pulisic uh yeah I didn't even think about the the Dortmund thing too I mean he's basically just like spent his entire entire professional career like with shitty physios like is there any way to get the Buffalo Bills like physio staff to just like follow him around pretty much yeah just something anything I don't know like I don't, I don't know what the you have to go to the, if the, they have the table of like least games missed due to injury and he just go to that team I don't even care if it's you know I don't care if it's fucking you know, uh, Leeds United in the in the championship at this point, just like just go somewhere where you can like run for 10 games without getting you know hurt. And I understand this one was more a contact thing, you know, the tackle from Stones. But nonetheless, uh, you would really do have to ask questions. Out of all the clubs in leagues, Jared, was that was that like a Freudian like subconscious slip there? You think Leeds are going down? I, I just, I'm just, I didn't want to pick like a team that we've said five times already today. And okay. somehow we've managed not to say weeds over and over again. So I just started. <laughs> fair play, fair play. All right. Uh, well, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for the Prem, Jared, unless anything to add. Um, eh, eh, eh. Eh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Uh, well, the, your, your time to shine here, buddy. Uh, Syria uh, resumed play uh, after the World Cup break, of course. Um, and there were a few doozies in there. I, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins uh, on that one. What happened in Syria? Yeah, by the way, I, I kind of do love what Syria does with some of this stuff. They're like, all right, we haven't had these games in a while. We're just throwing all 10 in one game in one day. And we're just going to, like, literally have games that start, like, you know, like 12 hours before the last game. And, and you know, unlike the drip drive of the Premier League, I kind of dig just, like, the utter madness. A couple, you know, decent results to talk about. One would be um, Juventus, 1-0 winners at Cremonese. And, of course, again, logically, it should sound like, well, no, Juventus should be Cremonese every day of the week. But this is a Juventus side that we, we've spent so much time talking about their struggles. And yet they just pulled off this this massive, uh, I think it's like seven straight wins in the league, you know, on either side, obviously, of the World Cup break. And they're sitting in a, in a solid third place right now. And for, you know, again, given how, how positively we've talked about so many other teams in the league and how negatively we've talked about them, uh, they get a late result, 91st minute from Millick on a free kick, which probably should have been stopped if we're being honest, but found its way in. And I guess you make your own luck. But the big result, obviously, is Inter won Napoli nil in Milan, Napoli's first loss of the season. Uh, again, a team that had very few players go play in the World Cup. Maybe were a little more, uh, I would say, kind of groggy coming back, but certainly didn't kind of have the same 
firepower and kind of energy as they did before the World Cup and a necessary result, I think, for everybody in the table, not just Inter, because even with that result, uh, Napoli is still five points clear at the top and Inter now in fourth place as well. So, you know, I think that if Napoli wins this match, you know, a lot of teams start kissing their chances goodbye. So I think for the good of the league, it's a, it's a great result, uh, but uh, very frustrating for Napoli. All right. And my only contribution to this will be uh, today I learned about, uh, well, I guess it's pretty, you know, standard commonplace, you know, Italian football. It happens all the time. Uh, scandal. Uh, Jared, can you enlighten us just a little bit on Juventus here and like their entire board resigning? They've just sworn in a new one. Uh, Agnelli's gone. And uh, it's just like the whole context of the club right there. I, this is pretty standard fare for them. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like we talked about the Friday news dump in the U.S. and this was, I think, they we literally like had this happen. It was like it was late November. It was like I think it was during like the Brazil. It was like Brazil, Serbia, or maybe Brazil, Switzerland. Like, what are like the group stage games? They would have just dropped it like right in the middle of the second half. And it was like, oh yeah, there's uh, the entire board just resigned. Um, you know, with uh, obviously as you said, under uh, investigations for false accounting and market manipulation and all that good stuff. Yeah. Your, your classic try to bury it under like another news story type of thing. Exactly. And then, so as you said, a new board is in, uh, obviously the, the, the league and the country is still doing a thorough investigation. It would not be a surprise at some point to see, uh, some sort of punitive action taken towards the club, whether it be a points deduction, or I don't think it'll probably extend to the, to another like kind of route forced relegation situation, mm. but you definitely could see them get docked some points. I think the, the fact that the entire board did resign and they totally were able to clean house might grant them a little bit of, of leniency that said it's uh, you know, they're certainly not on strike one here. Uh, so yeah. um you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see where it goes. But yeah, under the under the darkness of night, let's just uh, sack the entire board and or have the entire board resign and start over because, uh, yeah, they all committed crimes. Amazing. So Italian. So Italian. Uh, but yes, we will keep our eyes peeled on Syria. Uh, less of a battle going down at the bottom. It looks like we, we pretty much know which three teams will be relegated. But still, that clusterfuck at the top Juventus back into the mix throwing their hat back into the ring after a very very slow start um all right moving on to Spain uh like we said Germany uh France without games uh the last, we'll, we'll wrap this uh domestically ground up with uh their Copa del Rey uh and one result I believe Jared stood out uh, pretty much above all else uh Barcelona played against CF Intercity uh not even a second tier but a third tier side and Jared in the round of 32 Barcelona required extra time to beat a third tier team they needed Ansu Fati to rescue them in the 103rd minute it was four to three Barcelona yeah uh, Barcelona gave up three different leads in this match they were up one nothing gave it up up two one gave it up up three one gave it up uh, had to be rescued. I should say, and, and I, we've mentioned this, I'm sure, before, but uh, what I love about Copa del Rey is in these early rounds, every if you're playing a team in a tier below you, you automatically play on the road, which, again, always makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, and uh, Oriel Sol de Vida scored a hat trick for CF Intercity. Uh, no truth to the rumors that Barcelona is looking for additional levers to pull so they can sign right. for 80 million euros. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, obviously Intercity uh, will be the, the talking, uh, no, Barcelona will be the talking point about their struggles here. Yeah. Again, give credit to the, the third uh, tier guys uh, playing the game of their lives, essentially. Uh, this guy, I mean, God, this guy, you know, playing God knows what other teams in the third division, but scores a hat trick against Barcelona. But, I mean, he'll never have to, you know, buy another tapas in, in Spain for the rest of his life. And again, like, is it Barcelona's 100% first team? No, but this is still a starting defense of Alba, uh, Koundé, Araujo, and Bell 
Fowler. And I mean, these are not joke guys. Busquets is in midfield. Kessie's in midfield. You know, Dembele's up top. Memphis is up top. This is a pretty legit lineup of, of, of Barcelona players. And he absolutely tore him to shreds with that hat trick. And again, like it's, it's the, it's, it's literally the thing we all dream about as kids, like getting to play a team like a Barcelona or whatever, and like scoring a goal against them, or, you know, if you're not doing it for them, you're doing it against them. So uh, just an incredible performance by him and, and a little sad that they couldn't just finish the job. Amazing. Just another episode in the series of lolling at Barcelona. I mean, just look at the stuff for the center city. I mean, the, it's it's yeah it's third tier Spanish league stuff but I mean it it, it reads like a uh, like a seventh division you know English side I mean their capacity at their stadium is twenty five hundred it's like the size of like a college soccer stadium yeah no I mean again it's it's and if you even go into to pretty much you know the second level of, of Spanish soccer uh, the Segunda division I mean a lot of those teams that are on the, the lower end of that are not right not huge stadiums they're not in huge cities you know you you have these these kind of situations. And so, uh, like, dude, look at their current squad, like their Wikipedia page. It, it's, it's multiple, you know, red hyperlinks. It's like all, pretty much all Spanish dudes, obviously with like an equatorial Guinean and, and an, a random Cameroonian. This is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we, before we talk too bad about the, the third division of, of Spain, it should be known that currently, by the way, in the second division this year, uh, currently uh, Malaga is like next to last place and might end up in the third level. Of- oh, no. Dr. Rodero will be so upset. So, upset. but uh, yes, to your point, um, you know, this this intercity, whatever uh, is I don't even know where, like what they are like. I let's just applaud them and and enjoy the uh you know it it was a loss for sure but a moral victory in our eyes uh jared anything else going on in spain uh not that i can think of i think other than that pretty much all the uh the big names that we would expect to have won did pretty much hold serve i think valid might have lost one so on and so forth but uh nonetheless uh yeah there it's fine they're doing okay all righty uh there you have it let's uh go ahead and wrap this bad boy up uh you're you're classic standard own goal of the day uh we got a few stoppage time winners for you and that's going to do it for us today uh but yeah jared as your gracious podcast host um i will allow you to go first what is your own goal of the day yeah i'm actually for once going to be uh serious about this uh we lost uh, Gianluca Vialli at 58 years old from pancreatic cancer uh, a name that uh even if you're not 100 percent familiar with I-, I think the name itself is just such a Rolls off the tongue in such a way that, like, you know, you've heard the name. Oh, yeah. Uh, played Chelsea, Juventus, Sampdoria, Cremonese, uh, was a coach, uh, was actually one of Italy's assistants at the Euros when they won, um, you know, last uh, last summer, uh, or I guess two summers ago now. Uh, was in media as well. I believe he did some work with ESPN, among others. Uh, just has pretty much touched a whole bunch of different lives. And again, cancer, it's the fucking worst. Uh, and again, a, a young dude, relatively speaking. And, and again, a, a legend kind of in Italy. And, and again, a name that's, that's made its way to England and even made its way over here to the U.S. And so, uh, you know, again, sorry for obviously his family and, and thoughts to them and, and, you know, his friends and everyone else. And again, a sad story there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Taken way, way too soon. Uh, and you mentioned his, his club resume. Uh, Sampdoria, right? Like him and Mancini were teammates, I think, and, and lifted the Serie A title, like first and only time ever or something like that. Yeah, again, yeah. Uh, I, 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 there's a whole lot more I on the resume I didn't even get to, but absolutely. Just again, he, he, the intersection, right. He's just one of those guys that again, even though again, 58 years old or whatever, just seemed to kind of like 
oh, everyone has like, oh yeah, I was played with him here, coached with him here. I worked he knew like he did, everyone's like just be like, yeah, I, I I knew him from here, and he just he found his way around and, and knows everybody and coached and played with everyone, and, and again has a, a long list of uh, you know of trophies and, and awards to his name. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, I will uh, do an own goal of the day a little bit more on a lighter note. Uh, and I had a couple here that I could throw out there and, and we can just have a laugh about both. Um, I believe Al Nasser uh, had to have their uh, game from yesterday postponed to today uh, because of like electrical failures or something like that. Just so Saudi Arabian League. Uh, but that's not even my own goal of the day for that. Um, it's that it was actually up in the air and in question uh, whether Cristiano Ronaldo would actually be able to play and make his debut uh, uh, in this game, was that ever upheld? Uh, if you remember, um, he like slapped a phone out of a fan's hand and it became like a whole thing. I think they might have even like sued him or, or something like that. Uh, but he was facing like a two game ban. Did it uh, follow him to Saudi Arabia? Apparently it has. Oh, so he's not he didn't play today. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> now, that actually makes me laugh. That is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just pulling this up now. He, he watched the game from uh, from a, a box today. Uh, as you said, it was delayed uh, from yesterday. Also, uh, they almost didn't get to play today. There was some flooding on the pitch, but they barely were able to get it done. Oh, my God. Probably the best for him anyway. But, yeah, he uh, I guess uh, Saudi League is, is upholding the English suspension, which I don't think leagues are necessarily like our, our – are compelled to do uh yeah but it's like a fifa thing i think i guess i i didn't even know that that was uh but still uh, amazing so basically they're paying him they're paying him like 10 million dollars a game and so <laughs> this is like 20 million dollars literally just flushing 20 million dollars down the toilet yeah it looks like that they could have played him but and they would have been fined but they decided i guess against it i don't know um but yeah uh yeah he's suspended that's like unbelievable uh and also uh i don't remember, Jared, but we, we obviously gave our tribute to, uh, to Pele in the last episode. Uh, did we mention the Infantino selfie? Uh, I, we did not, just because uh, I guess it kind of came out afterwards that uh, he told a story. He gave his excuse, which I wasn't ready to buy, but there was some other photo evidence that seemed to check out, where I guess like a bunch of Pele's teammates were looking to try and take a selfie. But, they... but Jared, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Uh, yeah, I, did, I really didn't want it to, but uh, in this case, an 80-year-old dude asked him to take a picture of all of them, and he did, and uh, it looked like it was like right in front of an open casket, but it kind of wasn't really, and he kind of didn't do anything wrong this time. Yeah, uh, this time, this time. This time. This but, time. But, Still but... an asshole, but uh, I... Yeah. I I will not impugn him for the things he didn't do when there's just so much he actually has. All right. All right. All right. Uh, but yeah, those are my own goals of the day. Uh, and we are officially in stoppage time. So it is time for our stoppage time winners. Uh, Jared, why don't you go ahead and go first again? I, we didn't cross reference these beforehand, so I don't want to step on your toes. Uh, but yeah, so why, why don't you go first? It's okay. I only have four. Okay. <laughs> First is uh, congratulations, Sophia Smith, U.S. Female Soccer Player of the Year. Mm. 51% of the vote ahead of Alex Morgan, who got like 19%. Uh, very clearly the best player for the team this year. So well on to her. Uh, tip of the cap to David Wagner, who got hired as Norwich City uh, manager uh, mm. for, for the weekend. Uh, again, he was at Huddersfield a while back and then also in Germany with Stuttgart. Uh, not Stuttgart, uh, somewhere else I can't remember. Uh, but is now back in uh, the championship and will be managing um, Josh Sargent. So good on to him. Uh, really cool. The Jamaican Soccer Federation has signed a deal with Adidas to be their new uh, manufacturer for kits and 
and everything else. They were at Umbro previously. And first of all, I think this is cool because Adidas does a lot of really cool stuff and Jamaica's flag and their colors kind of, you know, definitely lead itself to that. Jamaican Federation definitely needs money uh, for sure. And they've obviously had a lot of financial problems. So hopefully they will be able to uh, not only, you know, get some of that money, but I think fashion wise, it's going to be absolutely amazing to see what adidas can do with jamaica and i will be buying that stuff oh yeah and, and they need those fresh kits you know to, oh my god they're finally lure in the you know the michael antonio Dude, those jerseys are going to be so fucking ridiculous like, i can't even i don't even want to think about it like even what they've done with like japan and some of those other countries yeah. jamaica jerseys oh i can't even imagine how good it's going to look i might just try and get citizenship it'll be so amazing Ooh, okay uh, okay <laughs> and then uh lastly uh a retirement a legend of the game has retired from mls uh we're not talking about Iguain or anyone like that Christian Fuchs has retired uh, from Shark. Oh, oh, here we go. Join their coaching staff. Oh, just an absolute legend of the game. I don't think anyone who's ever followed his career will ever forget the just legendary performance he put up in Euro 16 for Austria. Uh, again, you know, played a, a Premier League winning player at Leicester. Uh, I think he won the Euros with Austria maybe that year. I don't, you would know better about Austria in 2016. Uh, but also, again, came to Charlotte at the end, uh, played well for them, was their captain, and now will coach for them. So uh, a, a tip to the cap to him on a, a career well played. No comment, uh, or <laughs> or I might revert back to the just blindly angry person that I was at the beginning of the pod. Uh, so <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and leave it at that. Uh, I actually had a couple of farewells as well, uh, and I thought you were going to uh, take one of them, but you did not. Um, but yeah, my stoppage time winners, I will say goodbye uh, to two people here. Um, first is, is, well, I guess he's not like leaving forever, obviously, but, but you sent the link about uh, Taylor Twelman leaving ESPN. Uh, just because like, I don't know, I want to give a shout to the guy. We call him Twantman. I, I hate most of his takes, but the bottom line is he, he's like super passionate about uh, his soccer and um, yeah, has, you know, at, at least um, broadened the, the popularity, I would think, in, in some ways, or at least making it a little bit more accessible to people. So I got to give him a, uh, a shout on that. Do, do you have any idea where he'll end up, Jared? I, I would have to imagine it'll be Turner. Obviously, they're about to start mm -hmm. getting, uh, they have the U.S. contract for a lot of games coming up. I think it'll mm -hmm. be on TNT and TBS and all that good stuff. Obviously, uh, they work with, I believe, CBS and Paramount as well. So my guess would be he'll be hired by Turner. Uh, to continue doing stuff for the U.S. That would that would make the most sense. Uh, I haven't seen that officially, but I, again, Occam's Razor in play here. I don't know where else he would go since Fox already has their team. So uh, I believe Turner will be where he ends up. So you won't miss him. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I guess we could ask uh, Drags and Kirby to ask him. For, <laughs> to, to the traveling supporters, uh, fun fact, uh, actually one of our buddies is literally next-door neighbors with the Twelvins. So, um, yeah, he could uh, pull a Wilson from uh, Home Improvement and just peek over the fence and, and uh, ask him. We'll see. Um, and then my other farewell, uh, a little bit more more serious and, and a, a true farewell, I think, here. Um, you sent the link uh, to none other than another, uh, you know, MLS and, and American legend, um, Sasha Kleschen, who has retired from the sport uh just another uh, great farewell from him you know thanking everybody uh, caring a lot more about you know the human relationships and that he's made along the way and uh it, it is a journey not a destination all that good stuff uh and uh yeah you got to give a shout to the seton hall connection man a seton hall pirate i mean he took the college scene by storm uh just kind of almost coming out of nowhere and then eventually making his way into top flight football and uh even a, a ton of appearances for the u.s men's national team not like the greatest player of all time, not the most athletic dude, not like this, that, and the other thing, but j just he was a mainstay for a while, and, and I got to give a tip of the cap to him. 
Yeah, he was a guy who played in a lot of Champions League matches before it was cool. Uh, back in the Thunderwack days in Belgium, came back, played a lot in the MLS, as you said, had a couple different stints with the U.S. where he was a regular. Uh, really, like, an insanely talented player, uh, you know, even if he wasn't always as productive as, as we thought he might be. Uh, finished, I think, his MLS career on 99 assists, and, and I know that that's, like, a painful thing or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, if, you can, if you can, I don't remember who it was against, but if you peep the video of his last assist uh, for L.A. last year, it was, like, a, a really cool back heel kind of or you know kind of Rabona almost assist uh like through ball which was an utterly insane devastating piece of skill so definitely you know go check that highlight out but again uh, so it should be worth two so he does have a hundred. Oh, does he no no, no i'm saying that oh, that should be worth that sick then it should be worth two and yeah and again fun. as you said a, a lot of caps i think he had maybe 50 55 caps for the u.s i, I, I don't th- he wasn't on a world cup roster i, I don't believe he just kind of missed out uh, you know kind of based on form but uh it was kind of a mainstay at a, at a period of time where uh we definitely loved watching the u.s and he had some very good games uh you know both in, in qualifying for i think over you know the 2014 and 2018 cycle and again a consummate pro great guy uh, you know, obviously is, is, uh, is a guy who I guess probably won't be remembered, you know, obviously in the same vein as some other guys. But I think that for, for those of us who are deep in the weeds on it, we'll always kind of hold a, a special place in our heart for him. Yeah, hundred percent. And also give a hat tip to, to Nibs. Uh, he told me the story many years ago and it always sticks with me to this day. Uh, when, um, Kleshin was playing in, in champions league, uh, which, which team did he play with? And that, yeah, with and, and so they're going up against uh, whatever team's Laton was on at the time. Uh, and I guess, you know, do a, assert his stamp on the game. You know, he goes up for a goal kick and, and challenges Laton, gets a little too aggro with it. And Zlatan, unmoved, you know, uh, looks back at him and just, you, you know, that, that, that look on Zlatan's face that he gets, like just that furrowed brow, like, who the fuck are you? You know, type of thing. And, and apparently the reports are he gave him that look. And, and this is when Kleshin had that fucking facial hair, man, that mustache. And Zlatan just looks at him and goes, you, your mustache, it is disgusting. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, I, think- you, I would put, if I'm Kleshin, I'm putting that on like my, I'm putting that on my fucking tombstone. <laughs> yeah, I think that was back in the PSG days. I remember Andrew, I played them a few times, but it, yeah, I mean. Uh, he was a character and I think that he, in a way that like was almost disarming. And I think that when you think about like Zlatan, like getting mad at him and then just being able to say nothing else except the mustache, which I think is yeah. kind of in a weird way, kind of like is the point, right? Is that they're yeah. really, he's not a dirty player. He's not like aggressive. He's not whatever, but like, you just look at him you're like, Oh, like how did that fucking guy take the ball from me? I'd like, that hurts my head. Like, yeah, yeah he had to like the little like seventies porn mustache for a while with like no other facial hair. Oh my God. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, and that is how that podcast has to end. Uh, the porn, referee porn- has, what's that we're finishing it with porn mustaches yeah yeah have to do it jared <laughs> uh, that's the standard that our, our traveling supporters have, have you know grown accustomed to at this point so yeah we're gonna go ahead and leave it at that the referee has pointed to the center circle put their whistle in their mouth and blown for full time uh to you jared i appreciate the time the insight and of course the banter uh and to you all the traveling supporters thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it and until next time bye-bye He's our striker, he's on fire Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic Scoring goals home and away He's playing from the ticks and he's on fire Grand talk was a catastrophe He just wouldn't go away Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round Cost us one million pound 